السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام عليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وأفضل الصلاة وأتم التسليم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد نورك الساري ومددك الجاري واجمعني به في كل أطواري وعلى آله وصحبه يا نور اللهم نوين التعلم والتعليم والتذكر والتذكير والنفع والانتفاع والإفادة والاستفادة والحث على التمسك بكتاب الله وسنة رسوله والدعاء إلى الهدى والدلالة على الخير ابتغاء وجه الله ومرضاته وقربه وثوابه سبحانه وتعالى رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي ما شاء الله We are continuing to look at this book by الحبيب أحمد بن زين الحبشي This very beneficial treatise focusing on the meanings and the lessons and the knowledges that are contained within Sayyid al-Istighfar that are contained within this prophetic invocation dedicated to seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. So we'll begin with uh, saying Sayyidul Istighfar, reciting it together, and it's in your uh, packets, uh, your, your summer retreat packets, and then inshallah, we'll look at what we're going to focus on inshallah uh, in this lesson. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa taught us that the preeminent, the foremost way for seeking Allah's forgiveness is to say, Allahumma anta rabbi la ilaha illa ant. Oh Allah, you are my Lord and there is no God except you. Khalaqtani wa ana abduk. You created me and I am your servant. Wa ana ala ahdika wa wa'dika mustata'at. And I am attempting to uphold your covenant and promise as best as I can. I seek refuge in you from the evil that I have done. I acknowledge your blessing upon me and I acknowledge my sin. So forgive me. For no one forgives sins other than you. So that's Sayyidul Istighfar. And in the last lesson, we looked at some of the meanings that are contained in Sayyidul Istighfar related to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's attributes that He is the Creator. Khalaqtani, you created me. And that the Creator subhanahu wa ta'ala has complete power, a specified will, irada, and perfect knowledge, ilm, and that one who possesses power, will, and knowledge must be uh, uh, described as alive and living. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has life, another of his attributes. And anything that has life, it would be inconceivable to uh, uh, not also know that they have existence. So those are many of the attributes, the necessary attributes that we know of and believe in uh, uh, that are of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In this lesson, we're going to look at the meanings in Sayyidul Istighfar that relate to uh, the human being, that relate to ourselves, 
uh, and looking at the meanings and the knowledge contained within this dua that shows the relationship between the servant and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Al-Habib Ahmed bin Zain, he continues, he says the dua also includes knowledge that the servant cannot establish, cannot fulfill the rights of lordship, the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, al-rububiyyah, his lordship over us, except through his Lord's assistance, permission, love, and will. مَعْرِفَةَ أَنَّ الْعَبْدَ لَا يَقُومُ بِحَقِّ رُبُوبِيَّةِ إِلَّا بِمَعُونَةِ رَبِّهِ وَمَشِيئَتِهِ وَمَحَبَّتِهِ وَإِرَادَتِهِ Knowing that the servant cannot fulfill the rights of lordship except by his or her Lord's assistance. And this is all found in Allahumma anta rabbi. Oh Allah, you are my Lord. خَلَقْتَنِي وَأَنَا عَبْدُكَ You created me and I am your servant. And this is known as كَافْ الْخِطَابِ in the Arabic language. When we say, for example, in the salah, السلام عليك in the tashahud, السلام عليك, السلام عليك, peace be upon you, أيها النبي, O Prophet, that this is known as kaf al-khitab, the kaf, the k at the end, السلام عليك, peace be upon you. Uh, is known as kaful khitab, which means that you are speaking directly and addressing uh, uh, whoever it is that you're addressing. In the case of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, abduka, your servant, or in the case of the salah, addressing the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as-salamu alayka, ayyuhan nabiyu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's known as kaful khitab. So when we say in this dua, Sayyidul Istighfar, O oh Allah, Allahumma anta rabbi. Oh Allah, you are my Lord. La ilaha illa anta. There is no God except you. Khalaqtani. You created me. Wa ana abduka. And I am your servant. I am your servant. So when we say that dua, when we come to that part in the dua, khalaqtani. Wa ana abduka. I am your servant. I am your servant. The attribution of honor is being connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this kaf al-khitab. So the knowledge that's contained within that is that uh, the servant realizes, I am your servant and I will not be able to fulfill your rights of lordship over me except with your assistance, O Allah. Except with your assistance and with your will and with your love and your permission. That only uh, uh, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, uh, blessings upon us, which is really all of this is combined in what is known as tawfiq. Tawfiq is Allah's enabling grace. When Allah gives you what you need in order to successfully attain His good pleasure, to do what is pleasing to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is why the Salihin say, Allahumma ya man wafaqa ahl al khaira lil khairi. Oh Allah, you are the one who gave tawfiq, who gave your enabling grace to the people of goodness and you assisted them in it. Uh, grant us your tawfiq to perform acts of goodness and assist us in them. 
because that when you have tawfiq, you have all of the doors open up for you. So you see that even in this وَأَنَا abduka and I am your servant, there are all of these meanings of Allah's assistance and support and love and permission and will. The next thing that the dua includes that the author says is وَمَعْرِفَةَ الْعِيَاذِ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ النَّفْسِ وَشَرِّهَا and it also contains the knowledge of seeking refuge in Allah from the nafs and its evil. Where is that contained in the dua? I seek refuge in you, O Allah, from the evil that I have done. And there's another prophetic dua seeking once again, teaching us to seek once again Allah's assistance and protection from the evils of our own nafs. And the nafs is the most dangerous of the enemies. The human being has four enemies that they have to be aware of and know and understand. The first is the shaitan, the devil, which is well known. Then the nafs, which is an enemy that exists within us that we have to be very careful of. And the science of Ihsan, the path of Tasawwuf, the science of Tazkiyah, of inward purification, is dedicated entirely to purifying that nafs, overcoming the pitfalls of the nafs, overcoming the tricks of the shaitan and his deception. And then the third of the enemies is Ad-Dunya, the world, worldliness, which pulls us away and distracts us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Akhirah. These illusory uh, adornments that are fleeting and not real. And then fourth, the hawa, the whims, these inclinations and whims within ourselves. So those are the four enemies. And Al-Habib Ahmed bin Zayn says here, knowledge of seeking refuge in Allah from the nafs and its evil. I seek refuge in you. The Prophet taught us to say, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min sharri nafsi. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from the evil of my own nafs. Wa min sharri kulli dabbatin anta akhidun binasiyatiha. And from the evil of every created being that you take by the forelock. Right, so this is a dua of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And for those who followed along and continue to follow along with wird al-latif, we say it uh, uh, every day in Word al-Latif. So this dua back to Sayyid al-Istighfar, uh, uh, I seek refuge in you, O Allah, from the evil that I have done, from the consequences of that evil action in this dunya and in the akhirah, from the stain that that evil sin places onto my heart, from allowing the nafs to strengthen and have more of a role in guiding me than my heart and soul and my intelligence and rationality. All of that is found in, I seek refuge in you from the evil that I have done. Then the next thing Habib Ahmed bin Zayn mentions is included in this knowledge is, is that a person is absolving and clearing oneself before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of any ability or power. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa taught us that 
لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله saying لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله there is no power nor ability except by Allah is one of the treasures of paradise and that it is it relieves it is a healing we're talking about healing for the hearts and this remedy for the hearts it is a healing for the believer from 99 ailments to say there is no power nor ability except by Allah is a remedy for 99 ailments the Prophet said the least of which is worry the least of which is worry if we look in today's world how many people are medicated because of their worries how many people are burdened with this weight of just anxiety and fear and worry. And there's so many things in the world that really feed that and invite that kind of disease into our physical bodies and our spiritual, uh, uh, our spiritual path as well. The Prophet says, when you absolve yourself, when you realize that in reality, no created being has power or ability by their own self. The greatest power in the world, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was to take that from them, it would be completely gone. And that the, the weakest person in the world, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was to aid that person, no one could overcome them. So this dua teaches us to absolve ourselves before Allah of any power or ability. And it also teaches us the fear that Allah will leave the servant to fend for himself or for herself. And once again, this is all contained within وَأَنَا abduka. I am your servant. Why? I am your servant. I'm not taking care of myself. I'm not my own master. I don't have power or ability. I can't take care of myself. I take the means available to me. Doesn't mean that a person is reckless or heedless but ultimately if you wake up in the morning and you think that you are entirely and completely responsible for your own well-being you're going to go crazy but if you realize alhamdulillah all praise the prophet taught us to say when we wake up from sleep all praise belongs to allah who brought me back to life after he caused me to die, i.e. Uh, going to sleep, which is a reminder of death and resembles death. right? And the ultimate resurrection belongs to him. The ultimate return is to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. When a person says those kinds of du'as and then they realize and know, I don't know what this day holds for me, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking care of me. I am going to remember him. I'm going to invoke and supplicate to him so that he grants me special assistance and protection. And I don't have any power or ability of my own. And this also indicates the fear that Allah might leave the person to their own devices, to their own self. And then you say, don't leave me to myself. I am your servant. I am your slave. I am the one who is in need of you. I am your faqir, antumul fuqara'u ilallah, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran. You all are in complete need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wallahu huwal ghani. And Allah is completely free of all need. 
if everyone in creation worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the greatest obedience, it would not increase Allah one bit. And if everyone in creation disobeyed Allah and was upon the most wretched and corrupt heart, it would not decrease from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. We're the ones who need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when we realize that, the sense of peace and relief that comes to the heart is nothing less than therapeutic. Because it is something deep in the soul that needs to be addressed and realized. Then the author says, وَالنَّظَرَ إِلَى سَابِقَةِ رَحْمَةِ رَبِّهِ وَالْإِعْتِرَافِ لَهُ Then the next points he mentions is that included in this dua is understanding the pre-eternal mercy of one's Lord. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I would not even know this dua. I would not even have faith. I would not know the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam and the prophets and messengers and the revealed scriptures and books. I would not know you, O oh Allah, if it was not for your mercy. And I am your servant. And I'm turning back to you. And I am asking you and seeking your protection and seeking your forgiveness and acknowledging your blessings upon me. So included in all of that is knowing that you would not be able to do that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was not already in the moment showing you mercy and that he had decreed mercy for you. And then also admitting Allah's blessings upon us, acknowledging them, saying, Abu aliyya. I seek, I acknowledge your blessings upon me. And I acknowledge my sin. I admit it, Ya Allah. I'm not going to try to find some false excuse. I'm not going to try to defend myself. I acknowledge that. And I acknowledge your blessings upon me. So forgive me, Ya Allah. Who am I going to go to? For no one forgives sins except you. So there is no way to Allah's mercy without His guidance. There is no way to His guidance, rather, without His mercy. And the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes his beloved Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ We only sent you, O Prophet, as a mercy to all the worlds, as a mercy to all of creation. So recognizing that mercy and acknowledging those blessings. وَالْإِقْرَارَ عَلَى نَفْسِهِ بِالذَّنْبِ And acknowledging that uh, uh, one's self has made that mistake. And there's a, a, a beauty. We don't publicize our mistakes and our sins to other human beings. We don't talk about that. That when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala covers us, that's a great mercy. So we don't go publicizing our sins and mistakes. Oh, I did this. Oh, I did that. But when we confess our sin to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we acknowledge our mistake before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with humility, with remorse, with uh, uh, you know, uh, recognizing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's right over us and that it was completely wrong with shame, with humbleness, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves that from us. Why? Because humility and neediness before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh, uh, much more in line with our true nature. We're, we're, we're servants. We're in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And arrogance and haughtiness is despised. It is uh, uh, hateful in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
And a famous hadith of the man who had 99 scrolls full of sins. 99 scrolls full of sins. And uh, when and each of these scrolls is as far as the eye could see. The angels on the day of judgment, the Prophet tells us, that they will put out these scrolls and they will be read and it will be full of sins. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks the man, have my angels wronged you in any way? And the man says, no, my Lord, everything that they've written is correct. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks him, you don't have one good deed? And the man says, oh Allah, I don't even have one good deed. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Actually, you do have one good deed. And then the angels bring out, imagine, 99 scrolls full of sins. The angels bring out a card, a bitaqa, that has written on it, La ilaha illallah. La ilaha illallah. There is no God except Allah. And the scrolls, the 99 scrolls of sins are put on one scale, and the card upon which is written the testimony of faith, the kalimat al-tawheed, the word of, of truth, the statement of truth and Allah's oneness is placed on the other scale and it is so much heavier than the 99 scales of sins that it catapults the other scrolls in the air by the weightiness of la ilaha illallah. The scholars say, and then the man is entered into paradise. It's a beautiful hadith. Some of the scholars indicate that maybe that kalima, that statement, was accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala due to something related to the man's humility and his acknowledgement before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When Allah asked him, have my angels wronged you? He was humble and he confessed his mistakes. He, he owned them. And through that humility, there was a secret of success. So الإقرار على نفسه بالذنب أبو لك بنعمتك عليه وأبو بذنبي. I acknowledge your blessing upon me and I acknowledge my sin. فغفر لي. Oh Allah, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? So forgive me. No one can forgive sins other than you. And then this comes uh, brings us to the next uh, two points. الإطرار إلى المغفرة والرحمة والعفو والكرم. This also includes. The uh, knowledge of expressing his or her complete neediness for forgiveness, mercy, pardon, and generosity, and beseeching Allah and fleeing to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala in seeking the covering of sins, being covered from them, and the elimination of their effects. This is really beautiful. And all this goes back to that addu'a mukhul ibadah. That dua is the, the, the essence of worship. Why is the dua essence of the essence of worship as the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi informed us? Why is that the case? Because dua is an a realization and an expression of neediness. I Ya Allah, I need you. No one can save me, no one can assist me, no one can support me other than you and by your leave and your permission. Subhanak. So this neediness for Allah's mercy and forgiveness and generosity, beseeching Him and fleeing to Him and saying, Oh Allah, think about this. 
in reality, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us and grant us all a sincere and successful tawbah in which we never return to sins. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala releases us from the shackles of our sins so that we are free to roam in the valleys of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's obedience. Think about if people knew the mistakes that you made that Allah covered. I believe it was one of the Sahaba, if not one of the Sahaba, then one of the Salihin. He said, it is a blessing from Allah that sins, performing acts of disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, don't leave behind a stench. Because if that was the case, no one would sit with anyone else. People would not sit with each other due to the stench that they're giving off. Alhamdulillah for Allah's beautiful covering. Alhamdulillah ladhi satara al-qabih wa azhar al-jameel. As uh, I've heard from our teachers, all praise belongs to Allah who covers that which is ugly and manifests that which is beautiful. When people see good things, you witness it as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala manifesting that good thing and you should see your own ugly qualities and ugly actions so that you're not deluded into thinking that you've accomplished anything or being taken into arrogance. So fleeing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and seeking Him to cover the flaws. Ya Allah, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. If people knew that mistake, no one would respect me. I would not be able to have any honor in society. Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. And not worrying about what other people think primarily but recognizing we have to live in this world. And that when Allah covers our sins, that's a mercy. And that we need that from Him. And that He eliminates it effect, its effects. That whenever a person sins, as we're going to come to shortly, whenever a person sins, as the Messenger of Allah وسلم, taught us, the sin leaves a black spot on the heart. It's not a physical black spot, spiritual. Until a person continues to sin and then that darkness envelops the entire heart. And then that is a heart that's distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We seek Allah's protection from that. So when you flee to Him and you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and forgive me for no one forgives sins except you, you want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove the effects and the harmful impact of those sins. And knowing that Allah alone, the, the oneness of Allah alone in His ability to forgive. Who can forgive a sin for you? Now, this is important because we have to put everything in its proper place. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who forgives sins. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in His wisdom and in His mercy and generosity, He has chosen from among His creation those who will intercede on behalf of others. Those who will beseech and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a special mercy to be shown to people. And there is none who is granted that honor in, to the same degree and in the same way and given the same impact 
like Sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. He is a shafi' al-mushaffa'. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam informed us in authenticated hadiths that on the day of judgment, people will flee to every Prophet. And then finally, they will come to him and they will say, O Messenger of Allah, O Prophet Muhammad, O Beloved of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam, intercede with Allah on our behalf. We are afraid of the judgment. We are afraid of uh, the justice that will be dealt out on this day. We cannot face our Lord with all of these sins. We cannot speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His Majesty, Jalla Jalalu. We can't do it. So they run to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the gift of mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says, Ana laha, ana laha, ruhi lahu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he will go into sujood, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will inspire him to praise him in a way that no other created being ever in existence before or after has praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before. I'm not sure about after. But before him, no one has ever praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that way. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Irfa'a ra'sak, raise your head. Sal tu'ta, ask and you will be given. Intercede and your intercession will be accepted. So understanding that even when the Prophet ﷺ intercedes on behalf of his ummah, that that is by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's will and that ultimately no one forgives sins except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but that Allah has a specific uh, uh, will and decree in terms of who will intercede and who will be the means for Allah's forgiveness and mercy for others. Naam. So continuing on, the author then says, and also included in this dua and this statement of you created me is al-ulumu bil-qalbi wal-nafsi wal-ruh, knowledge of the heart and the nafs and the soul. That included in this dua, Habib Ahmed bin Zayn is seeing the various types of knowledge that relate to understanding, the types of knowledge related to the heart and to the nafs and to the ruh, the spirit or the soul. That the heart is really the essence of the human being. And we don't necessarily just mean the physical heart, which is very important but actually the essence of the human being. And it is the faculty that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives uh, uh, to the, the, the human being that uh, is addressed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, with revelation and taklif. And also the nafs is really the aspect of ourselves, this, these lowly inclinations that are attached to lowly desires. And the ruh is really the, uh, uh, the essence of who we are. The essence of who we are, and it's known as, its uh, definition is al-jawhar al-shaffaf. This very, uh, you know, very uh, pure and clear essence of who we are. Al-latifa, al-alima, al-mudrika min al-insan. Al-raqiba ala ruh al-hayawani. 
nazil min alim al-amr that it is a, a subtle substance that has knowledge and perceives and it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's command Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says qul ar-ruh min amri rabbi say that the ruh is from the command of my lord is that there is alam al-khalq and alam al-amr there is the world of where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sunnah of Allah and His creation is that things are created in stages. So for example, the human being, and if you followed Habib Hussein's lessons talking about uh, uh, the nature of the human being in the mother's womb and then being a child growing into adulthood and old age and so forth, that those are various stages of creation and development. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran that He creates the human being as, you know, a blood clot and then a, a, it looks as like a chewed morsel of flesh and then uh, flesh and then uh, bones and then flesh and so forth. The development of the fetus in the womb. That's alam al-khalq. That is the gradual uh, stages that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed. Then there is Amr where Allah says, Kun fayakun be, and it is. Without these stages, the ruh is from Alim al Amr. Qul al ruh min amri rabbi. The soul is from the command of my Lord. Be, and it is. That is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created our souls. Wallahu ta'ala a'la wa a'lam. So, Habib Ahmed bin Zayn says that these are some of the knowledges that are contained. In this dua, he also says, Also included in this dua is knowledge of the stain that veils the heart, which is comes. How does it come about? When the servant acquires the sin that they intend and they perform that sin, then that puts a stain on the heart. Right, so then uh, in the dua when we say when we say I acknowledge your blessing and I acknowledge my sin when we say I seek refuge in you from the evil that I have done from my own nafs and that I feel this veil and this stain on my heart and I realize that I need the purity of nearness to you, I realize that my soul has become starved by sinning and I need to nourish my soul through nearness to you, remembrance of you, obedience to you, worshiping you, remembering you, exalting you, glorifying you, and following in the footsteps of the most radiant and illuminated soul in existence, our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam, who is tibb al-qulubi wa dawa'iha. He is the embodiment and the source of healing for the hearts and the medicine. طِبِّ الْقُلُوبِ وَدَوَائِهَا وَعَافِيَةَ الْأَبْدَانِ وَشِفَائِهَا And He is the nourishment of the souls and the source of benefit and health for even the physical bodies. صَلَوَاتُ اللَّهِ وَسَلَامُهُ عَلَيْهِ So in this dua is the مَعْرِفَةُ الرَّانِ that a person understands that their heart has become stained through sins. 
And the removal entirely of that stain through the light of obedience and the light of Iman. Right, so going back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we talked a lot about tawbah and how this is a healing and how you know people feel so much better after they make changes in their life and they distance themselves from Allah's disobedience. And one of the things is that even though the nafs likes disobedience, that immediately following the very fleeting and shallow pleasure uh, that comes for those who are attached, their nufus are still calling them to sin, it's immediately followed by an emptiness, hollowness, a regret, a remorse, a lack of fulfillment. And then when someone attends a gathering of remembrance, when someone spends time uh, calling upon Allah in dua or in sujood or in dhikr, when someone tastes the sweetness of nearness and then they go back to the dunya, they yearn for that nearness again. That moment is so meaningful, so fulfilling. So the stain is removed by the light of Allah's obedience, obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the light of Iman. And he also mentions that uh, this is related to the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and follow up a bad deed with a good deed that will erase it and remove it. And that's related to the ran related to this stain that comes upon the heart as mentioned by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. We'll go through this last part briefly, but then the author talks about how this uh, knowledge, awareness of the heart, awareness what stems from the nafs, awareness that the ruh, the soul needs to be nourished and fed, also uh, uh, gives knowledge of what is known as ilmul khawatir, the knowledge of uh, the passing thoughts. Where do passing thoughts come from? A lot of people wonder about the thoughts that come to their mind. Where did that come from? Is that me? Is that whispering from the shaitan and so forth? So the first that he mentioned is ilhamul malaika, the obedience of uh, the uh, the ilhamul al malaika is the inspiration that comes from the angels the inspiration that comes from the angels so the ulama they say how do you know that a thought that comes to you is an inspiration from an angel so the angels also they want to support and stand with the believers and assist them they want the believers to succeed they want people to draw closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so they support us so the inspiration that comes from them is what is the, the ulama, they say the way that you can recognize that is that when you do something good and then you feel inspired to follow it up with another good action. So let's say, for example, you're praying and then the thought comes to you, I should pray sunnah after this. I should fulfill the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Or you do another type of good deed and you say, I should recite Quran. I should sit here a little bit longer and dedicate more time to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I should benefit from a gathering of knowledge. I should 
you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses you with some food or some wealth or something like that, I should share this with someone. That that is generally ilham al-mala'ika, the inspiration that comes from the angels. And the author says, وَوَسْوَسَةِ shaytan," And also knowledge of the whisperings of the devil. They say, how can you recognize the whisperings of the devil? Is that when you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the devil flees. So immediately when you say, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ Or لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ or one of the ways that the ulama also recommend of burning out the whispering of the devil, of filling your heart with so much intense light that it burns the devil and he runs away, is to say, Allah, Allah. To say Allah's name, the supreme name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that way. Allah, elongating the last part of the supreme name, the majestic name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah. If you have a bad thought and you want to really distance it from yourself, say Allah and you'll feel th you know, that that is removed and distanced from your heart. If the bad thought doesn't leave, then it's not from the waswasat al-shaytan. Or if you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the bad thought leaves, but then another bad suggestion comes, and then another one, and another one, that's from the waswasa of the shaytan. The shaytan will try to find multiple avenues to try to distract you from good. So that's another sign that it's from the whisperings of the shaytan. One is that it will, uh, it will dissipate when you remember Allah, but it might come back in a different way. Oh, I want to read some Quran. Oh, but don't you have something else to do? I need to read Quran. Oh, but no, uh, did you did you check the mail? I want to read Quran. Oh, but you have that other thing that you need to do. Did you pray Sunnah? Sometimes it'll be these very uh, varied kinds of distractions. That usually is a sign that this is the whispering of the shaitan. And then... Uh, uh, Another, the sign that it's from the nafs, the sign that it's from the nafs is that it is very stubborn. I want to do this thing. Astaghfirullah, la ilaha illallah, Allah. But that desire hasn't gone away. The, the thought has not gone away. No, but I want to do this. But it's, you know, you feel this intense focus on that one thing that's bad. Inna nafsa la'amaratun bisu. Truly the nafs commands to evil. It is focused on evil. So that's a sign that it's from the nafs. And the ulama say that the way that you have to fight that is just through mujahada, struggling against the nafs and not giving in and reminding the nafs of the nearness of death. I could die in the middle of that right now. And when you bring that to heart, the nafs becomes weakened and you can overcome it. And then lastly, the khatir that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the divinely inspired uh, pass, the thought or the inspiration that is from the divine subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the ulama say that cannot be ignored. It is something that is so powerful that it puts a person almost at a crossroads in their life where they can no longer ignore it and they need to respond and they need to make a change. Naam. 
There are other ulum also that comes from that, which is related to the heart and knowing that the heart is really the master of all the limbs. So when you know this knowledge about the heart and the knowledge of the khawatir, and you're able to identify that I need to purify my heart and I need to uh, uh, be careful and watch out for the tricks of my nafs and I need to nourish my ruh with the remembrance of Allah and nearness to Him and returning to Him, all of that gives you deeper knowledge of these various aspects of the human being. Now, and that the heart, the limbs are like soldiers and the heart is the commander so that you have to protect your heart and you have to be careful of the thoughts that come into your heart so that you're able to make a sincere and proper repentance. And then the author says, وَيَطْرُقُ ذَلِكَ إِلَى مَعْرِفَةِ حِصْنِي الْحَدِيثِ And this all goes back to also what's included in this dua is the knowledge of حِصْنِي uh, الْحَدِيثِ The hadith that talks about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's fortress. My fortress. And this is a beautiful hadith that's narrated by Ibn Asakir and Al-Hakim and others. And uh, it is a hadith that one of the ways of narration is through the, the sanad, the chains of transmission from the imams of Ahl al-Bayt, from the imams who were descendants of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. And that Imam Ali al-Ridha radhi Allahu anhu, the great-great-grandson of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he came to a land, I think it was Naysabur, but I, I can't remember the exact uh, land that he came to. And uh, the people came out. Many ulama came out to learn from him. And he was riding uh, on his camel and he was in the hodaj. He was in this carriage that is constructed on the back of the camel. And he had the tayilasan. Sometimes you see some of the ulama, they'll wear what's known as a tayilasan. They'll take this rida, they'll take this uh, shawl, and they will wrap it over their heads. And they will sort of wear it in this kind of way, usually longer than this. And they'll be covered in humility. And uh, uh, the Prophet ﷺ also would sometimes wrap his turban and have a tayilasan, especially in Salat al-Jumu'ah. So uh, then the people came to him and he removed the tayilasan and the cover of the carriage and they were taken by the nur that was emanating from his blessed face. And they asked and they said, uh, uh, teach us a hadith that you learned from your forefathers all the way back to Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa wasallam. So then Sayyidina Ali al-Ridha radiallahu anhu, he said, I heard a hadith from my father من أبي الإمام موسى الكاظم. He said from his father, الإمام جعفر الصادق رضي الله عنه, who was the teacher of Imam Malik and other great imams. From his father, Imam Muhammad al-Baqir, who heard from his father, Imam Ali Zain al-Abidin رضي الله عنه, who learned from uh, his father, Sayyidina al-Husayn رضي الله عنه, who heard from his father, Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu, and Sayyida Fatima al-Zahra radiallahu anha, from the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam, who, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, La ilaha illallah hisni, 
La ilaha illallah, the statement, the testimony of faith. La ilaha illallah, of divine oneness, that there is no God except Allah. Hisni, Allah says, that it is my fortress. وَمَنْ دَخْيَلَ حِصْنِي أَمِنَ عَذَابِي And whoever enters my fortress is safe from my punishment. So Al-Habib Ahmed bin Zayn is saying that this dua also uh, enters into knowing the meaning and connecting with the reality of La ilaha illallah is my fortress. And that whoever's, whoever enters Allah's fortress is saved from his punishment. Why? Because we say, Allahumma anta rabbi. Oh Allah, you are my Lord. You are the one who cares for me and sustains me and provides for me. La ilaha illa ant. There is no God except you, which is another way of saying la ilaha illallah and entering into that fortress and entering into Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, safety. So this is from the meanings. And then the author says, Included in Sayyidul Istighfar are the knowledges of Iman and belief in Allah and Islam, worshipping Allah and fulfilling His rulings and commandments. والإحسان, spiritual excellence. إِذْ مَعْنَ الْإِيمَانِ بِاللَّهِ اِعْتِقَادُ الْقَلْبِ وُجُودَهِ وَالْغَيْبَهِ وَتَوَحُدُهُ بِالْإِلَهِيَّةِ وَتَفَرُّدُهُ بِالْرُبُوبِيَّةِ وَتَقَدُّسُهُ تَعَالَى عَنْ كُلِّ مَا لَيْسَ بِكَمَالٍ فِي وَصْفِهِ So he says, and of the knowledge of Iman that is included in uh, Sayyidul Istighfar is the meaning of Iman, is the heart's belief in Allah's existence. That He is unseen, that He cannot be seen with the eye in this world. His divine oneness, His singular lordship, His holiness exalted as He above any imperfection in His description, His transcendence subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is all what is included in Iman, which is found in Sayyidina.